Live, episode 1209 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Monday, August 21st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I had a pretty good weekend. Excited to kick off another week here, and I know I bring it up a lot, but I am still amazed that it's late August now and we're, we're coming down the home stretch. But, uh, you know, baseball is getting really fun right now. Obviously, we're in fantasy chases, but also pennant chases getting going. Um, I've been not streaming as much in the evening lately and kind of getting my streams done either in the morning or the day and then just diving into baseball because we only have, you know, a month and a half left in the playoffs. I don't want to bypass too many of these days when I can watch, you know, five, six, seven games at a time. So I've been really enjoying that and uh, did a lot of that this weekend. How about you? How was your weekend? Uh, good. Just trying to get stuff done around the house in preparation for uh, Nick Pollock coming to stay with me. That's right. Um, so trying to get the house clean and, uh, you know, get shit done. So I don't have to do as much this weekend. We're going to, uh, we're taking a group to the Giants game on Friday. So if you are in the San Francisco Bay area, uh, and want to go see the Giants and the Braves, and I think it's Logan Webb versus Spencer Strider. It's like the new pitcher list was coming to San Francisco. Um, isn't uh, it nice when a plan comes together? Wow. mm -hmm. We're going to have a big group of, uh, people in the industry, including uh, Sammy Reed and Doug Thorburn, oh um, my God. Nick Pollock, myself, Bubba Entrickin. I like, was gonna say, is Bubba gonna be there? Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun um, sitting uh, over kind of left field ish uh, in the foul territory. So, uh, flights to San Francisco. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be an absolute blast. It's Very kind of like jealous. a little. Uh, you know, Arizona Fall League pregame type thing. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So if you're if you're if you're in the area and you want to go to the game, definitely hit me up on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. I'll let you know where at so you can come by and say hi uh, to everybody that's gonna be there. Of course, Danielle's gonna be there, and that's who everybody wants to talk to, anyways. Yeah, that was that was a lock there, right? Like we we knew that was happening. Um, let's see, I can get a ticket. Okay, one of like there, there's one that just stands out. This Frontier one is like $500 cheaper than every other one. Do you have to fly on the wing or something? Yeah, you've never flown on Frontier, clearly. I don't think I have. They, Maybe You I pretty much are sitting those. in like plastic lawn chairs. Um, they charge you. The way they make uh, money back is they charge you for carry-ons. Oh, God. Okay. I mean, um, I'm not coming out there anyway, but like I was wondering, like literally $500 cheaper, $250. And then United is seven thirty six right now. America yeah, I I flew Frontier to Vegas uh, for uh, the NFBC uh, one time, and I will never do that again. I mean, okay, so good to know they're in that spirit. I know everyone, yeah, in, you know, smokes spirit. I've never been on them either, but I know they get crushed. I assume it's very similar. I've never been on Spirit myself, but yeah, Frontier more on the east side, and then Frontier on the west. So they're kind of. The crap versions of each other on each side of the country. Okay, well, I'm not flying Frontier. Obviously yeah, I can't. They take can't get turns. Out there this weekend. They they pass the uh, the piloting of the plane off to passengers. You know. Oh, so you can sign up for like it's like a karaoke yeah. thing. You know, uh, Justin Mason in seat nine A. You're up for your twenty minutes of flying. I assume most of the staff is on work release. Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. All right, so no Frontier. We got it. <laughs> Let's get into some baseball talk here. We got plenty to talk about. Uh, Jason couldn't go yesterday, so you guys weren't able to pod. So we're going to get into some 
free agent stuff uh, as well, kind of reviewing guys. You guys usually preview it. We can review it now. But we're going to talk some call-ups. We talked Mason Wynn on Friday. That was a big one. Little did we know that that was the beginning of a floodgate uh, opening because it hit that cutoff point where there's like, I think, 45 days left. And so you can kind of call mm-hmm. guys up and have them not necessarily expire their rookie uh, status so that they can be eligible for the, the compensation awards and all that next year too. So that's why we saw a bunch. We'll probably see a handful more. Of course, September call-ups are about 10 days away too. But Noelve Marte, the biggest one for sure. Uh, maybe not the most shocking because somebody drafted from this year was called up. But let's talk Noelve Marte getting called up. Remember, he's the big piece from the Luis Castillo deal. They can already have an opportunity to pay some dividends on that trade. Noelve Marte is being slotted in as the everyday third baseman. At least that's what they're saying right now. He's going to play very consistently there, pushing Spencer Steer to the outfield, not off, not off the field. So it looks like they're going to go McLean at second, Elliott short, Noelve at third, and they've already got their youth transition in the infield. And what a trio that is. What do you think of Noelve Marte? Big-time prospect, still a baby at just 21, so we're not going to judge him too harshly at these Six weeks don't go very well, but how much excitement do you have for Marte, and did it translate into anything yesterday, free agency-wise? I mean, at this point, I'm mostly concerned about my NFBC leagues, where I don't think he was available uh, yet because he hadn't uh, he hadn't debuted. Um, he, no, he did. Oh, had he? Had he already? Because he got uh, on I, Saturday. Then you know what? I messed up. Damn. Okay. That's that's a bummer. Um, yeah, I, he, he was out there. Uh, I wonder how many league if he went in all my leagues. So I'm sure he did. That's, he that's... wasn't. I will say this: Novi Marte was not super expensive. It was, you know, obviously we're getting to a point where people don't have a ton of money. But I also think there was, you know, some skepticism about just how much he can do. Um, he had a high bid of 51. That was the only one over 50. There was a 46. There was a handful in the 30s. All the backups on those, except for one, were very low. 13, 13, then a bunch of single digits. There was a 33 to 31, so that person feels really good about their bid. But most of the bids blew people out of the water. Noelle Marte went for single digits in tons of leagues. Mm. It's just the time of the year. And so Noelle Marte was really cheap. Um, you said you didn't get, did he go in your leagues? Uh, it looks like he did not go in my main. Uh, which, really? So yeah. he'll be available. Yeah, which is unfortunate for me because while I could use his speed, I don't need a middle infielder. I'm like I'm oh. I'm like literally like using a middle infielder at my util and uh and I've got middle infielders on my bench. Like I just I have no room for a middle infielder, which is uh, a little bit of a bummer and what reason why I didn't even bid on Mason Wynn uh yeah. in, in my I, I main. So uh so I You're one of three leagues where he didn't go, by the way. I'll just point that oh, out. Wow. Fifty three main events, he went Noelle Martin went in fifty of them. Excuse me. Uh, do I have that right? Yeah, fifty of the league. So you're you're in one of three where Marte will be available next week. Um, is there anything he could do that would put put him on your radar? Like if he pops off, would you go for it? Or is it just based on the fact that you've got middle infielders and you just don't need that as much that you maybe not aren't going to be there because he is going to be playing third, so then he'll be corner eligible. Won't that, that appeal that, to you for Marte? That, yeah, that that will make it interesting. I definitely will probably put some bids on him. Uh, in my main one, he'll pick up that third base eligibility, and two, I could probably drop Brandon Lau. Um, oh yeah. And while while Lau is, I think, a more complete player at this point in in both of their careers, For sure. I, I don't need power. So, and I mean, this yeah. is a time of year where you got to make 
kind of the cuts where it go like, hey, this isn't a guy I necessarily think belongs on the waiver wire in a 15-team league, but I don't need what he offers. And it's, you're, you're hitting on such a remarkably important point, Justin. You have got to play differently now, y'all. Your categories are all that matters. You can cut remarkably talented guys if they don't help you. Yeah, they might help somebody else. And you got to be careful, right? Like, don't cut somebody like you don't need speed or whatever. Don't cut your one speed asset and give somebody a chance to gain like nine points in speed if, if the guy goes off or whatever. Like, so you still have to be smart. But there are situations where you're going to cut guys that are just way better than you would think. You know, one of my big ones, and I'll always love him for this, Rob DiPietro, cut Logan Webb. Uh, for the final week, because he was saves only. He went nine relievers. I picked him up. That was the year I won the main. It wasn't just because of that start, but I needed the two-step from Logan Webb that week. And and again, that's final week. That's a bit different. But even right now, like I made the decision this week. I'm done with steals. I'm just not gaining ground. In fact, I've gone the other way. I'm now in last. So I'm done. I'm done chasing that. So if I had anybody speedy, like if Samad Taylor had actually been running the way I'd hoped, I cut him. And I would have cut him unless he had had like, you know, crazy steals. So you have to make decisions like that. So I love that you brought up that point. You wouldn't normally cut Brandon Lau, but if you don't need his power and his batting average is draining you, mm-hmm. then what good is he doing for you? So that's a great point that you hit on there. And it is a way different way to play down the stretch here. And you have to be open to cutting those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's hard, you know, I, you mm-hmm. know, right now, nobody has fab or well. If you have fab, you're a coward. And this is why I, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see. I, got it. I, I got see it. a sign. It says Fab is for cowards. I was curious about that, and I wanted to ask about it on the show. So what, what's up with that? If you have Fab right now, you have been a coward at some point during oh, okay. the season. So I agree with that, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. That Fab, point makes sense. Yeah, I'm not saying like doing Fab is for coward, but having okay. Fab at this point in the season means you have been a coward. Uh, and there were a few people in my main event who still have 200-something dollars. Um, we got all that money for now. I will allow an exception for listen people's lives. We don't know what's ever going on in them. That's why I'll never begrudge somebody that pops up out of nowhere with all their money and spends. I don't know what their summer was like, right? Like <laughs> things happen with people, and if you know life got in the way and you couldn't be bidding, if you've got the money, like basically my main point is, if the last place team is bidding eight hundred dollars on Noelle Marte, I'm not somebody who complains about that. Uh, I do agree with you, though, that if you've been active all year and you've been playing and you still have, like, 300 bucks, you've been sitting on your hands too much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can – the person who's got $282 my main is a uh, famous actor, um, which, like, I go, okay, well, you know, maybe he's doing stuff, like, you know. Could be on set, could be doing stuff that – But, no, not, he not can't be. Because there's a writer oh, yeah, strike, a strike. And yeah, a, uh, uh, and there's an actor strike going and on right now. Strike. So they're he's all... doing nothing right now. You're right. You're right. Except no for excuses. hoarding fab. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's no way he listens to this. So uh, that's so funny though. Is and I, and I love him as an actor, so I'm not gonna like totally thrash him. But um, and, and 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 like we never know too, right? Could be a lot of second place, third place bids, right? So you just gotta be. You're, you're memeing with the Fab is for college. But I agree. It's like if you have a ton of money, you either have a really good team that's been – hasn't yeah. needed big things or you've been sitting on your hands and, and uh, you know, being a little too cautious with things. Uh, obviously, neither of us are in that position. We've been spending. Noah and Marte. What about knowing 
Seanwell, by the way, not Shanuel. Seanwell. Oh, Seanwell, all right. Yep, watched his pre, watched his debut actually specifically for that. Plus, you know, Rays Angels was a pretty appealing game. But yeah, Matt Vasgersian, Seanwell, Seanwell. So Nolan Seanwell comes up, and this is the big surprise, right? Nolan Marte got some, you know, eyebrows raised, like, oh, okay, they're calling him up. Nolan Seanwell was drafted five minutes ago, like yeah. literally he was six weeks this ago. Here, yeah. Justin, yeah, yeah. yeah. and. Honestly, like, if he was drafted out of LSU, that's basically AAA, you know, with the SEC baseball. But he's from Florida Atlantic, and I don't say that to dog on Florida Atlantic, but I know Conference USA is, like, a solid baseball. Like, they've got some good stuff. But you don't normally expect somebody not from a power conference team to get to the majors this quickly. This has become a trend with the Angels, though, and I know they were catching some flack for this. People are like, why are they calling them up? They're so stupid. I think that they've shown an affinity for identifying the MLB-ready talent. Zach Neto was a surprise call-up, and he's held his own outside of the injuries. Reed Detmers, Chase Silseth are two big, quick call-ups that have mostly succeeded. They've had their occasional blow-ups. In fact, each of them got blown up in their last start this past week. But for the most part, they've been good. The Angels, for all their faults, and there are many, one of the things they've been doing well is identifying the players that can get to the majors the quickest, which... They've kind of put themselves in that position where they have to kind of draft to get major league mm-hmm. ready guys for Shohei and, and Trout when Trout's healthy. But what do you think of Nolan Shonwell coming up this quickly and, you know, hitting the ground running already? He's three for four, four runs, couple walks, huge plate profile guy, had 71 walks and 14 Ks. There's always crazy numbers in college, but that's bananas, Justin, 71 walks to 14 Ks. So what do you think of Nolan Shonwell? Uh, for the Angels here? Is he somebody that can make an impact down the stretch? And what kind of player comp do you see for him? I mean, I just, he's so young and raw. I mean, we're talking about a guy who hasn't even had 100 plate appearances in the minors, like in total. Like, he, he had, like, uh, he had 12 plate appearances in complex league, nine plate appearances at, at single A, 75 plate appearances at double A. Wow. Held, held his own in all the places. All I three. Mean, yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, you know, double A where he had the most amount of plate appearances, walked 21% of the time, struck out 12% of the time, hit 339. Like, okay. Like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I just it it's like baseball is so hard and the major leagues is such a jump up from double A and I mean he was literally playing college baseball a few months ago. Um I just can't imagine he's gonna have like a massive impact for fantasy uh down the stretch. I got a question for you though, because I got this question okay. in the Sleeper on the Bus Discord. Uh should he be eligible to be picked up in dynasty leagues where typically these guys are reserved for first year yes. player drafts? Absolutely. Okay. He's in the majors. I said, no. How come? Just because, because these are players that are supposed to be in the draft for, for but doesn't making it to the majors cancel that. I don't think so. I would think it should. I, I would absolutely vote availability for, for Nolan Shonwell. See, um, I disagree that, there. that is an interesting thing. Now you have more dynasty experience, so I will defer to you here. If this is something you know, we just don't have precedent, right? Like the last guy I can think of that was called up this quickly was Brandon Finnegan, and it wasn't. You know, I don't think he was as like outwardly well, fantasy relevant. The only fantasy relevant guy that I can think of that this happened to was Chris Sale. Um, 
Oh, and, yeah, when he came up and he was a reliever off rip. And I remember getting him for a dollar in fab in a ale-only keeper league um, and then trading him away for J.D. Drew the next year and regretting that for, like, the next six years. Um, so. Um, I, I, I understand why. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Regret. So, uh, no, I uh, personally, and this is what I said for the Sleeper in the Bus Dynasty League, I was like, first-year players or for the first-year player draft, you can't pick them up you know, uh, in season, whether they've debuted or not. I think that's the right call, but I totally understand other leagues saying, no, he's in the majors, he's available. available yeah, I, I just think once he once he makes the majors, it's canceled out. So, like, I get it generally, but I just feel like if, if you're in the majors, you should be eligible for major league activity, whatever that is, what kind of pickup, you know, whatever pickup rules uh, leagues have, I think that's how it should be. So, hopefully... This, if, if your league doesn't have rules on the books for this, hopefully this lights a fire under those leagues to have something concrete. Because the, the last thing you need is things open for interpretation that creates problems. And yeah. you don't want to create animosity in your league. And, you know, someone being mad that they made a savvy move to pick them up and then they're to- told no, they can't pick them up type of deal or whatever the case may be. So if you don't already have a, a set rule, here's your impetus to say, we need to decide, and it, it will be rare, right? We could go another decade before somebody else is called up this quickly. But you want to have it on the books that we do this for this player type. And if the only rule that you can interpret is that players drafted in, in the given year are available for the next year player draft, I think you would have to lean back on that rule if there's no exception carved out. So I will contradict myself a little bit and say, if that's the only rule you have, I can understand someone pointing to that and saying, he's not available because of this rule. Uh, so it really kind of depends on what your league has mapped out. I would lean toward being available for Sean Weldon. All right. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think he's an interesting long-term guy in OBP leagues. But in terms yeah, so, of, like, this year, like, I mean, I I just, like I said, I, I don't think he's going to be able to, like, hit off rip. Would you – so you weren't interested in 15-teamers? No. He's an interesting guy. I'm trying to think, like – you know, big time on base, bat to ball skills, but the power isn't quite there. Andrew Vaughn. That's a great one for here and now because I was going to cycle back. I was thinking like uh, Nick Johnson or a, another former Angel, um, like Casey Kochman type. Although Kochman, yeah. I don't think, was a big time walk guy. So maybe that one's not good. But maybe like Nick Johnson, you know, he never really mm-hmm. had crazy power. He was a crazy good walker. The reason I like the Kochman one, though, is the strikeout, the, the contact back mm-hmm. to ball type of deal. So that's where I was getting the Kochman situation there. So somewhere in that range. Um, and even if he does hit the ground running a bit more than maybe Justin thinks, it's probably still not going to be super impactful here for Nolan Shonwell of the Angels. Let's go to the next prospect who was called up. We don't know anything about him yet. He was not available for Fab. Parker Meadows. I say know anything about him. I mean, on the major level, we know Parker Meadows is the brother of Austin Meadows, a big time prospect. The Tigers are calling up the left-handed outfielder. Um, this is an interesting move too. The tough part here is I wonder, Where's he going to play necessarily? Are they going to cut in to my boy Akil Badu's playing time as they finally put Badu at the top of the order against righties and he's playing consistently? Does this hurt him or is this just less playing time for Miggy now? Who's actually been playing decently of late relative to recent Miggy standards. That's all I will say. He has like an okay batting average. He's been hitting some doubles. But do you go, do you go Badu, Green, Meadows in the outfield with Carp, Gary Carpenter at DH and Miggy sitting consistently against right-handers? 
or how does this play with Parker Meadows coming up? Yeah, I mean, I would assume this means less playing time for Miggy. Though, I mean, Miggy will still play just because it's, you know, swan song. And he'll Tigers. definitely play against lefties and I think occasionally against right-handers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he'll play at least once a series. So that way every yeah. every team they face gets to, like, say goodbye to Miggy and stuff like that. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at this point, you got to start really looking to the future. Um, uh, Meadows is a really interesting guy because, I mean, he was a pretty – highly touted uh, prospect uh, in that 2018 draft and then really struggled, had some injuries yeah. and uh, just struggled in the minor leagues and kind of turned it around in the last couple of years where he's gone from being this guy outside top hundred prospects to jumping into that kind of mix. Um, and Big spring I mean, too, by the way, for Parker Meadows that mm-hmm. kind of had people thinking he might break camp. He didn't, but he's been in AAA. 19 homers, 19 steals for Parker Meadows. Continue on what you were saying there. Sorry. Yeah. Also, double-digit walk rate has you know, done a really good job the last two years of cutting back on the strikeouts, uh, which is a, a really good thing. One of the issues he's had uh, prior to the last couple seasons was he was striking out at like you know 25 to 30 percent clips. So, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think this is a really interesting kind of pickup, and uh, I definitely prefer him uh, over. Maybe, oh man, probably over both guys we've already talked about. So. Honestly, I can see that with Parker Meadows because um, Marte, you know, he has 18 steals on the year, but he's not a he's not like a super speedy guy. And so we don't know what kind of running he's going to do. Now, he has a better park and lineup, Marte does. And then Sean, well, I will say this, for the fact that we were kind of tepid on him, I do want to point out that he is leading off. They put him immediately at the top of the yard. They did the same thing with Neto, right? Like they called these young guys like, not only do we believe in you, boom, jump to the top of the lineup. And if you need runs, I think Seanwell could be really yeah, interesting. So I do want to get that in there. But with Meadows, I mentioned 19 and 19 at AAA homers and steals. You mentioned the plate skills have been improving. I think there is something here where he could be a nice little fantasy guy down the stretch. And I got to say, my Tigers are hitting a little bit better of late, mainly due to three guys, Torkelson Green and Kerry Carpenter. But it's not, and I mentioned Badu doing some things against righties. It's nice to see them being competitive. Adding another young guy there could make them a sneaky, decent offense where the runs and ribbies aren't as bad as they have been most of the year for Tigers players, right? Still not game-changing, but at least capable and you can feel comfortable picking up a medal. Would you pick them up in 12s or just 15s right now? I think 12s, I, I, I might pick him up. Depends 12, on kind of, five outfielders. Yeah, depends on kind of the rest of my roster. But, yeah, I think yeah. I I think I might. Um, you want a bold prediction? Mm-hmm. He's the better outfield prospect long-term than uh, than Riley Green. Now, I will say. For fantasy. Got, for fantasy. Yeah, 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 for fantasy. Yeah. I think we've gotten some pushback on this, but uh, we've been a little tepid on, on Riley Green, the both of us here. And – you know, I, I saw the thing on Twitter. The guy tweeted okay. it. I didn't want to like put him on blast by like quote tweeting him and stuff like that. Um, yeah, because we're not trying to embarrass him. No, no, and I don't. I don't want people getting hate and stuff. And so, uh, if he's wondering why I didn't respond, um, I, you know, that's why. Like, um, but I'll respond on the pod because he was. He was. You know, he clearly listens to the pod. It is much easier to hit the ball hard when it's on the ground. And I've exactly. said this over and over again. Yep, you've and been on that point consistently this year. One of the things that he was saying was like, oh, well, all we have to do is, you know, all he's got to do is raise his launch angle. And like he's yeah, gonna, ideas. Sorry, I got yeah, this I mean, cough in my it is so It is so difficult to raise your launch angle and keep those exit velocities. 
I just don't buy that in that parky specially that Riley Green's going to be able to do that in the immediate future. Like, you yeah. know, um, and so, you know, rest of the way into next season, I'm, I'm not going to project him to make that kind of change unless we see something in the profile that says, oh, he is raising at launch angle and he's not losing uh, like the, the, the bat speed. So um, while I understand you know, the kind of, uh, the argument that, hey, like, you know, he's prospect, he's still young, he's still developing. I completely agree with all those things. It doesn't mean that he is going to continue to develop in the way that we want him to as a fantasy man, uh, fantasy manager. That's why I think Riley Green is a better real-life player than a fantasy player. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's completely fair. And, you know, like I said, as the resident Tigers fan here, I myself have been a little more cool on Riley Green's fantasy prospects than I think kind of the industry in general and a lot of folks who believe in him. And I keep looking at that strikeout rate and I'm like, you know, I was hearing the early career Michael Brantley comps when he was coming up um, and I'm just not seeing that sort of bat to ball consistently. So honestly, if he is going to hit the ball on the ground and that's where he's going to get a lot of his hard contact, I'd, I'd like to see a more bankable batting average. I love the 303 right now, but it comes with a 407 Babbitt and a 28% K rate. That makes me a little skeptical on green. So I hear what you're saying about uh, being you know, higher on Meadows just as a fantasy player right now because he has that power speed because we also only have six steals from Riley, Riley Green. He's very selective. He's six for six, which is great, but that's not moving the needle as much these days, especially with steals being way up. So yep. Parker Meadows, um, in the NFBC, you get a week to look at him because he wasn't available yesterday. He hasn't actually debuted. And at, at other leagues, you can pick him up now. I would take a shot. Any five outfielder format for 12-team or deeper, if you need an outfielder, I think he's as viable as pretty much anybody else you're going to find on the wire. So you're it's that classic in a 12-teamer. There's one team that probably should have Meadows. It might not be your team, so it really does depend on who you're cutting. And if you have a question about that, you can either get in Justin's chat if you're listening. Well, no, the chat will be the time you listen to this. Yeah. You can either you can hit us on Twitter or in the comments of this um, uh, of the post on Fangraphs. Uh, let's move on to your team, right? I put our, our two call-ups back-to-back here. The Giants calling up Kyle Harrison, big-time live arm, another guy who threatened to maybe break camp in spring there, there was talk, oh, could, could Kyle Harrison get this done? Not quite. And then he kind of languished a bit in the minors this year with the control issues that he's had throughout most of his career really amping up a 16% walk rate, but a 36% K rate. So there's still a lot of good there. Uh, but the command and control is an issue. Will they be able to rein it in enough for Kyle Harrison to be a fantasy uh, for, not for, so a, a fantasy impact this year in deeper leagues? What do you think of Kyle Harrison coming up? Uh, I, I, I don't think he's ready. Like I, this I has, this is branded fat written all over it with, uh, control and command issues. Uh, now he has looked better in some of his more recent starts. You know, you, you're talking about fought, right? Yeah. He, he put up. Seven, oh, and, and Harrison. And, and oh, okay. Oh, I was yeah, actually fought, about yeah. Sorry. So fought, fought, I, I should point out also kind of gotten going. He threw seven no hit mm-hmm. innings. Against yep. the Padres last time out. But your point about the command and control being a problem, that what that usually translates to is walks and homers, and that's multi-run yeah. homers at that point. So talk to us about Harrison. You said he's been playing a little bit better lately. Um, does that give you enough confidence to maybe go for him in anything? No. Still, okay. One, uh, I, you know, I mean, even with, like, the last two outings being walk-free in AAA, like, he still gave up a three-run home run in his last uh, outing. Uh, and the bigger issue is he isn't going deep enough into games to qualify for a win. So uh, 
he's in his last four outings, he went two innings, two innings, three to third, four innings. Um, now, maybe they could try to stretch it up to five, but there could be a lot of damage to your Aaron Whip if they do. I mean, this is a guy Absolutely. who clearly hasn't been able to turn over lineups uh, and, you know, may not even be stretched out. And so now you're talking about a guy that could potentially go three innings or four innings and walk three or four, uh, which he's done on numerous occasions this year. Uh, I mean, in his 21 starts, he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 starts with three or more walks. And he hasn't gone deeper than four innings in any game. Damn, Kyle Harrison. That is not good. So, I mean, I'm looking that. forward to watching him, but I also know that there is a lot more risk than there is upside. And I think if this was Kyle Smith and there wasn't the prospect hype around him, yep. you wouldn't be talking about him. I think that's totally fair here. And I also share the same trepidation with Kyle Harrison here. You know, it's one of those things, I will say this, though. It's one of those things where if he has a great start, it will pique my interest. I, I can't lie. Because um, he goes to Philly. So if he has a good week, he gets Philly and Atlanta, and then he's available next week. Let's say he has five total walks in nine innings. He goes five and one, four in the other, with like 12 Ks and a decent ERA at Philly and at uh, home to Atlanta. Is there enough that Harrison can do in these two starts against two quality teams that would lure you in for 15 teamers next weekend? I don't think so. I mean, I know it's a great park to pitch in, and but like, I, and I'm just double checking what the Giants' schedule looks like down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they, they Philly Atlanta this week. He would line up probably for San Diego the week after. Jeez, schedule not kind. Homers. Colorado away away at Colorado and then Dodgers probably. Jeez, so only like, one start that you feel at all comfortable about yeah. the home one against Colorado. Other than that, Harrison's going up against really difficult lineups. Even San Diego scares me. I know they haven't underperformed, but I still don't want to throw a wild rookie like this against them. So you're right. I yeah. think that's totally fair. If he does do well here and it's not like I guess the only way would be if like you walk nobody, which I don't see happening. Like yeah. you'd have to be somebody who Kyle Harrison just simply has not been. So I think that's totally fair to have a lot of caution with him. Uh, what about this next guy here, Drew Rom R O M for the Cardinals coming up, a lefty prospect that they got in the Jack Flaherty deal already coming up, going to spot start tomorrow or today at Pittsburgh on Monday. So you know, too late to pick him up now if you if you didn't already do it overnight. But what do you think of Drew Rom? Again, decent. Decent prospect here as the return for Jack Flaherty. Is there anything Drew Rom could do that would drive uh, some interest for you down the stretch? Uh, maybe a little bit because I, I mean I assume. Oh, and I try. I mean I've got the schedule grid up, so I could probably take a look. Um, you know, it, well they don't even have him on beyond this, so we don't know right now if if he'll even be around for Rom. If he is, like he could line up for you know. Pitts, you know, they play Pittsburgh twice. They've got Baltimore, Milwaukee twice. It's still a pretty rough schedule with Philadelphia, San Diego a couple times. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, it's hard because in the Baltimore system, he was walking way too many guys. He had like a 170 whip. Um, he gets a ton of strikeouts, which is great. Uh in two starts with St. Louis's system, 
he's been much better. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't want to like jump for joy over two starts though. And, but, but they were they were so markedly different. Yeah, they went from a nine percent swinging strike rate to eighteen. 25% K rate to 44. Again, it's 11 innings, so we have to stress. It's also a .059 Babbitt. Uh, yeah. I wonder if anything changed, right? I, and I, I don't know. I'd have to read a report yeah. or something, but I wonder if they they tweaked a pitch or a mechanic situation and like, hey, if you do this, you're going to really pop off. Or if he's just running hot and missing a ton of bats still. Um and one of them was against his former team, the Norfolk Tides. So that revenge game, you can never, you know, throw out all the records at that mm-hmm. point. You just never know. So I think Drew Rom has some intrigue, but I, I really want to see him tonight. I'm going to be dialed in to kind of see what's up and if they talk about any sort of change. Because other than that, I, I'm still going to lean on the pretty ugly numbers uh, with Norfolk and and kind of be arm's length here with, with Drew Rom. Unless yeah. something really turns uh, today and, and they talk about something that is different from where he was prior to the trade. All right, let's talk some news here. Emerson Hancock left his start on Sunday with an injury, and Brian Wu is set to return this week, uh, and they were talking about a six-man. Well, looks like that's going to be avoided because it looks like uh, Hancock might be missing some time, and now Wu can jump right back in. With Hancock's injury, we don't have you know super great details on what's going on with it right now. Is he somebody that you would have cut yesterday just based off of that with the shoulder and lat injury? We don't know if he's going to be on the IL yet or not, but would you have preemptively cut Emerson Hancock based off of that? I did, yeah. I, okay. I, had, okay. I had picked up Hancock in a number of leagues, uh, including like my main event and I think my auction league, and I cut him, uh, picked up like Winans and a couple other guys. We're going to talk about Winans. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by that guy. Yeah, and I just, you know, I – I don't have the luxury, and I think a lot of people are in the same boat as me, to wait around. Like, that's if, the thing. You, you go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, if he's going to hit the IL, that's 15 days. Like, there's just there's six weeks there's left. Six in weeks season. left. Yeah. yeah like, he's missing a third guaranteed. He's almost yeah. certain to go on the IL, too, by the way. He, hasn't, he isn't on there yet, but he's almost certain to go. So that's two th- a third uh, of the six weeks left. What are you holding on for? He's not even good. Like, it has to be a premium player to hold for two yeah. out of six weeks right now. And Emerson Hancock just isn't that. So that's If, if I'm dropping guys like Joe Musgrove right now, then, like, <laughs> exactly. there's no way I'm holding on to Emerson Hancock. And and it was actually a decent week in terms of, like, pitching options available. It was. Tab. So, uh, like, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to pick up a bunch of, you know, guys who maybe aren't, extremely talented but has good matchups and i'm just gonna gotta pick and choose where i want to roll yeah i think that makes a ton of sense and i do feel like hancock was a pretty easy cut um especially because like you said it was a pretty robust list i thought the hitter and pitcher lists they were not all game-changing options by any means but a lot of options that you felt comfortable picking up so a lot of cuts this week um, you know, I had borderline cuts where I'm like, hey, there's options. They're gone. Uh, so Brian Wu is going to return. Like I said, they were talking six, man. And as is often the case, that stuff works itself out. Um, unfortunately, it's usually via injury. So I'm not rooting. I'm not glad Hancock got hurt. But it does just put Wu back in without incident now. And so uh, what do you think of Brian Wu? Because he has a 475 ERA in his 11 starts, but the skills underneath are are quite strong in my opinion 26 percent k rate seven percent walk home runs have been a little bit of an issue he has a few bad starts and when you got that uh, over 11 starts you have two six earned run outings it can do some damage are you in on brian lewis as you know one of the better 
uh, pitching prospects that we've seen this year because I feel like his core skills suggest that. Yeah, I mean, I like Brian Wu a lot. The one thing I don't like is that he's had an elbow issue recently, uh, which has made it like I've had. I've had. There's a guy in in my three sport dynasty league who's competing for a championship. He wants to, you know, add some talent uh, for the stretch run, and I'm looking to kind of reload for probably 2025. Um, mm-hmm. And he's been dangling Wu, and and I just haven't been able to pull a trigger because I just I hate the idea of a guy who could be heading to Tommy John and not to say that he is necessarily, but the elbow issues are always like that precursor that you worry about. So, uh, but from a straight skills perspective, we're turning off injuries just to you know talk about the skills. I really like Will. Um, I, I think he is a very, very talented pitcher. I like uh, the way he approaches uh, games and I like his arsenal. So it's to me, if you're not so worried about the elbow issue uh, like I am, then I think Wu is kind of a sneaky kind of buy low right now uh, and hope that, uh, you know, he can stay healthy. I, I, I like all that take there with Wu. Let's, let's, uh, let's alleviate your fears for a moment. Let's pretend he makes it to the finish line here. They go to the playoffs, whatever. He, he's healthy. Shows no instance of the elbow cropping back up or whatever. In fact, pitches very well. Going into next year, what you assume their costs will be, which will be Kirby up here, Gilbert a bit behind him, and then Miller and Wu, uh, Castillo obviously up at the very top, but we're not talking about him. Yeah. The, we're talking about the four youngsters, Kirby, Gilbert, Miller, Wu. I think it's going to be Kirby, Gilbert, and then Miller, Wu will be kind of right there. Who do you like best at the perceived cost? Do you want to pay up for Kirby because of, you know he's kind of set and we know who he is? Or would you rather take a gamble on like a Miller or Wu at a, a lower cost? Of those four, who do you think you're going to like better if you if we alleviate the Wu elbow concerns right now? Which I know we can't do, but let's just pretend for a moment that he just pitches so well that he, he wins you over. Uh, I he, mean, he woos you. Let's say he woos you. He woos me. Ah, well done. Um, I like all of them. I mean, and I like all me of too, them. To be honest, person, I mean, like, and I think maybe Miller's going to be my. F- most rostered guy just because he's, gonna be the cheapest. he's probably going to be one of the cheapest. I think we will probably be the cheapest, but I think Miller will be the second cheapest. And, um, and he doesn't have the, I don't have the concerns, you know, the health concerns. Uh, mm-hmm. and I just think he has the ability to be an electric arm, but honestly, I like all five of these guys. I yeah. would not be sad if any of them ended up on my roster they're going to be big targets for me um yeah, i want to sprinkle them across my entire roster set all yeah five. throw castillo in there you guys know i love him i picked him i've already outside. drafted castillo yeah like yeah, I, I know mean, you're already doing a draft yeah. like seattle pitching sign me the hell up so yeah. your valid concerns about woo uh, are there with the elbow but you know a lot of guys carry injury risk as pitchers just by nature of pitching so if he pitches well enough i think the stock will rise i agree with jumping in right now though on the cheap and particularly in dynasties if you're not as concerned about the injury risk as justin is people are dangling him out there especially if they're contenders and you can give them a, a more established win now piece go get you some oh but by the way, I'm just a shout out to one of our listeners who was in my three sport draft and completely sniped me last week because he was listening live. Henry Wilson, uh, you can stop listening. Stop listening while we're in our draft, and you come back after our draft. So you can I stop love it, sniping me nah, in nah, our nah, draft. I love it. Smoke I can't him. remember. Get, I can't remember what player it was. Get that him every we were, time, Henry. Henry also uh, a, a big time Twitch viewer. Uh, 
great guy. Become friends with him, you know, just over the course of being part of our community, both with the podcast and in my uh, in my stream on Twitch. Henry's a great guy, and I love that he is sniping you left. Oh, uh, I mean, I I was so me. it was literally like right after we ended the pod, and he was one of the people like in He's our. Like, yeah, um, this is a good guy. I, I should take him. Justin's right. I was like, oh my god, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out who it was um, that he sniped me on. Um, In a way, as you're looking at that. Oh, it was Bobby right? Miller. It was Bobby Miller. So, I was about ready to take him, and, he was, <laughs> and we were talking about just like how he was one of my favorite guys yep. out of out of the rookie class of pitchers, and he was like, well, I can't let Justin get him, and so he freaking sniped me. We've been drafting like you know uh, on opposite ends, but he's like, I'm not. I'm not letting, that's beautiful. Uh, I'm not letting this guy get back to Justin. Isn't it, in a way, a compliment, though, that he respects your opinions that much? That he's like, I, I agree with Justin. It's a compliment. Backhanded compliment is what that is. Yes, it is it, a backhanded compliment, it, and I love it. Henry, keep doing it. Keep <laughs> doing it. Um, Hunter Green was blasted in his return. You know, he's off for two months, and he had to face the Jays in his difficult home park. He's always had a bit of a home run issue. He gives up five here. Is this just rust shaking off, or do you have any valid concerns down the stretch for Hunter Green? I mean, they kind of just let him wear this one. Um, yeah. So, but I, I mean, while like I'm not like I don't think this is like oh no, run away from Hunter Green. This is kind of what Hunter Green is, right? Like you could get eight innings of you know no earned runs and twelve strikeouts, or you could get this, which was yes. three uh, innings, eight earned runs including five home runs. Five homers. Oh, my God. He had given up five homers in his previous six starts combined. And like I said, Hunter Green has flashed a home run. Not flashed. He's had a home run issue as a major leaguer, and it cropped up in a big way yesterday. And I agree with you. This does not make me – you know, concerned about his future any more than I already was concerned yeah. just because of his normal volatility. Shake off the rust. I wouldn't have started him here either, and that's not just with the value of hindsight. Um, it's a two-month injury against a good team in a good venue. That's an easy sit, as Nick Pollock calls it, still ill, um, it, where you just kind of skip the first start off the IL. I think you easily go with Hunter Green on that. Again, talking in the past, you know, obviously it already happened if, if you started him, but I would have easily sat him there. Um, and then get him back in now. Uh, let's move on to Gunnar Henderson. He's on fire, absolutely. But what I wanted to bring up was him passing up the cycle yesterday. Now, this is a little frivolity here. We're not uh, going to be too striding on this one way or the other. But for me, I loved it. I fully co-signed it. Cycles are cool. I'm not anti-cycle. But four for five with two doubles, a triple, and a homer is better. Just because the cycle has a name... I'm fine bypassing that. His teammates were razzing him. Some people took it way too seriously on Twitter. What nothing new there. But what did you think about Gunnar Henderson saying, I don't need no stinking cycle. Let me get a double because that's a better day. I mean. They don't take one, by the way. I should yeah. point out. So he could have easily stopped. It wouldn't have hurt the team or anything. So it was his choice fully. And he said, no, I hit it down the line. I'm going for two. I mean, there, there's a couple ways to look at this. One, like you said, they were up a ton. <laughs> Like, they didn't need him to, like, you know, push it to, you know, he could have just True. taken the first accolades. At the same time, if I'm him, I'm like, I'm going to have a bunch of cycles in my lifetime. That's what I'm saying, so, too. Like, I, Scudder I, Henderson going to hit cycles, dude. Don't yeah. worry. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I totally, I, I probably would have done the same thing. Um, you know, I probably would have just kept running. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, 
at the end of the day, like when he goes to arbitration to like discuss his contract, they're not going to be looking at how many cycles that he's had. Nope. They're going to be looking at his slugging percentage. Total bases and slugging. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And so like, yeah, I would have done that. I, I probably would have, you know, just legged out the double. Um, Absolutely. So no, he, like, yeah. he did the right thing. And again, his, his teammates razzing, which is fun and all of that. Uh, but the people that were taking it too seriously on Twitter, relax. First off, cycle. Who really gives a shit in the end? There's been plenty of cycles. It's not like, you know, it's not like a perfect game or something, which obviously there would never be any reason to not go for that. But perfect games are so rare that like, I'm sure some people have good enough memories where they can reel off everybody who's hit, had a perfect game. You can't do that with cycles and he'll have more opportunities. But let's talk Can- about Gunner. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I want, I want to talk about Gunner. In, yeah, I want to talk about term. him in the aggregate. May 21st, OPS dips back under 700. It had been above 700 for like three days or whatever, down to 685. Pretty bleak there, 42 games in. Since then, and I'm using a little bit of arbitrary cutoff, but that was the last time he was under 700 OPS, which is a, a decent litmus test of like under 700, you're doing pretty bad. And there was probably talk of like, hey, Cut Gunner. Now, I wasn't a Gunner guy, but at that point, I was saying, if you drafted him, you still need to stick with him because you believed in him enough to draft him as a 6th, 7th, 8th rounder. I didn't love him that much, but I also didn't want to go around being like, ha, I told y'all this guy sucks or whatever. So I didn't quite go so far as like cut him, but I was like, if you're benching him right now, I get it. The last 71 games, 277, 331, 546 with 17 homers and 5 steals. That's a 39 homer, 11 steal pace with uh, 53 ribbies and 45 runs, 121 and 103 full season paces. So he's been on a two and a half month tear right now. Gunnar Henderson doing everything that people thought he would do. He's at 21 and 6 for the season with a decent 249 average. Um, I think you were kind of down on him too. So did we get Gunnar wrong? Um, Yes and no. Uh, I mean, if you remember the reason why I was down on Gunnar Henderson, it was because he was atrocious against left-handed pitching. Yes, he did say if, that specifically. You know, and and he had struggled with left-handed pitching in the minor leagues. So this wasn't like a, oh, he was only, you know, he had 26 plate appearances. Yeah, um, yeah, you weren't going off of last year's tiny yeah. sample against lefties. But if you look at those 26 plate appearances last year, he batted 130. Versus lefties. And then you look at the first three months of this season. So April, May, or sorry, the first two months of this season, April and May, right? He batted 132 against left-handed pitching. However, since the beginning of June, he's hitting 266 against left-handed pitching. And it's 71 plate appearances. So it's, you know, it's, it's the same sample of the, you know, the previous two samples that I just gave, right? Yeah. 26 plus 48. So right there, almost exactly the same sample. He's making improvements, which is something that, you know, you want to see from a young guy. Now, can he keep these improvements? Uh, I think that's yet to be determined. Um, So were we wrong? I actually don't think we were wrong because I think in a lot of leagues he got dropped. I saw him available in 15 team leagues. uh, Gunnar Henderson was dropped a lot. That, That is definitely true. And so if you drafted him in the 6th, 7th, 8th round and then dropped him, which you probably should have in a 10 or a 12-team league, you're not getting this goodness. So, like, you know, yes, at the end of the year, may I, I may end up being wrong in the grand scheme of his overall line. 
-hmm. but I actually wasn't wrong in the process. Uh, He's just made improvements and Hey, kudos to him, but I wasn't paying to wait to see if he could make that improvement. And I think that's the right kind of uh, thinking in terms of when you're putting together a draft strategy. I think that's totally fair because I, I, I have a similar outlook and I've taken my L, but I have a similar outlook with my Adelise Garcia dislike. It was his plate skills. I didn't know he was going to add four points to his walk rate to 10%, which is a lot more palatable. And, you know, I didn't know he was going to leave the American League in ribbies either. I will say this. He only has eight steals. Adelise Garcia has still been a god for you. If you drafted him, you yeah. feeling great. But you did have to make up those steals because you were hoping to get probably 30, 35 from him, considering he had 25 last year and the new rules were going into place. You probably thought, hey, I can get even more than 25. So I don't bring that up as a way to, like, you know, protect myself on the L. I took a fat L on Adelise Garcia, make no mistake about it. With Gunner, not only was I nervous about the price, but also I, I liked a lot of third baseman behind him. So it was also less about him as much as it was I'm big on Muncie, big on Josh Young, big on Ha Sung Kim. So I had third base avenues, and Spencer Steer was a late-round pick for me in a lot of leagues, and he obviously panned out pretty well. So I had other avenues I wanted to tackle for third base. I was usually going either for one of the top guys, um, and I was including Bregman in that, even though he is not as good as those guys, but I was including him with that group. Or waiting. And so that's why I bypassed Gunner. But shouts to him. He's had a great summer and really come around after a rough start. Uh, let's talk some waiver review here. And I just want to get your thoughts on some of these guys, where they're at, where you might have picked them up if you did, and what you think their short-term appeal is like. Let's talk Stone Garrett. First off, kick-ass name. That just sounds like a badass. Yeah. And uh, right now, Stone Garrett is playing like a badass. 275, 347, 467 for the season with nine homers and three steals. Of late, in particular, Garrett's been really hitting well. And the biggest change for him this year is a nice 780 OPS against righties. Now, that's not eye-popping, but one of the issues with Garrett is that he was a short-side platoon guy. And it was like, is he going to play enough? What's going on? Arizona didn't even want him. I know Arizona has 52,000 outfielders, but I'm still kind of surprised that they just let Stone Garrett go. I would have thought that he had enough appeal to maybe get something for him, but they let him go to Washington for free, and he's been really nice. He was a hot pickup this week. I actually ended up getting him in the main for 12 bucks. What do you think of Stone Garrett with his 936 OPS in the second half so far? Oh, man. He kind of is who he is. He's like, he, he's, he's going to strike out a bunch. He's also yep. got power uh, and a little bit of speed as well. So, to me, it is shocking that he hasn't gotten more of an opportunity in Washington, considering everything else they have. They're like, like they'll play guys like Corey Dickerson and just let him toil in in AAA. Like when they should be giving Stone a guy like Stone Garrett every opportunity to see, hey, is this guy part of the future or not? Um, I think they're finally committing to that, though. Yeah. These last few weeks, they're like they've had four lefties, but he started against all the righties. He's on a ten uh, nine game start streak, so. At least it like, seems like they're finally realizing that, hey, we should just play this guy every day because he is relatively young. I think he's 26, 27, and we got to see if we got another Lane Thomas here or not. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely not a Lane Thomas, but um, I like I, could he be like a Jack Sawinski? Sure. No, that's an interesting like guy. A right-handed Jack Sawinski yeah, is like, interesting for some Gary. I mean, he, he's got a 16% swinging strike rate, an 80% zone contact rate, a 38% O swing. Yes, those are bad numbers. Those are all bad numbers. 
However, he swings a lot. And <laughs> if you swing a lot and you make contact 80% of the time, you know, there are going to be some balls going places. And do some damage. Yeah. And so um, he's one of those guys that if he can, you know, he is hot right now. If he can stay hot rest of the way, like he can do some damage in the way Jack Swinski has done damage at times this season. He yeah, could also go ice cold tomorrow and yep. be worthless. So That's a great way to put it. Stone Garrett. He is who we thought he was, Dennis Green style here. He hasn't really changed, but you're riding the heater. That's why I felt fine with 12 bucks. If he flops, even though 12 bucks is a decent chunk of my money left, it's still 12 bucks. If he flops, I, I move on. Uh, so I have no problem with that. Logan O'Hoppy is back. I think we did talk about this, or we at least acknowledged that he was on his way back a couple episodes ago. He is officially back. Remember, when he first went out, they were thinking maybe season ending here. So I do wonder if because he's coming back from a severe injury, if that puts a little bit of a downer on your expectations for O'Hoppy. I love him for the future, but what about for the short term here down these six week, down the six week stretch? Uh, is there enough from Ohapi that you think he was worth going out and getting in two catcher formats? And what about one catcher as well? I don't know about in one catcher, but in two catcher formats, I think so. Like I, mm -hmm. I just, I mean, like right now, like I'm rostering Luis Camposano in a, you know, as my second catcher and other just random, you know, random fake pickups, yeah, fake generated names and stuff. So like, <laughs> like take the shot. I think Ohapi is gonna play pretty regularly. Um, in Los Angeles, so there's no reason for them not to just no. like let him be the guy moving forward. So uh, I, I don't know what you're going to necessarily get from him if his power is going to be a little bit sapped coming off the injury. But mm -hmm. I mean, if you have just been rifling through catcher two situations and never landed on a guy that was actually pretty good, then I think you could do much worse than Logan Ohapi. Yeah, I think that's that's totally the right way to put it. I believe it was a, a shoulder injury for Ohapi, yeah. and that's why we're not entirely sure what it's going to bring, but he's back. They, they think it's good enough for him to play, so I would have gotten him in any two-catcher formats where I needed a second catcher there. Uh, Nelson Velasquez, you might remember him uh, from us talking him up a few years ago on the heels of the Arizona Fall League where he was blasting the ball, and, and he showed off his power. Uh, that was as a Cub. He is now a Royal and uh, he's brought some of that power to the majors. This was a trade at the deadline for Jose Quas. And so Royals, despite having a million outfielders, first off, he's more of a DH anyway. But despite having guys like that, they said, hey, we've got room for a power guy like this. He's he's ripped four homers in nine games with KC. He has seven on the year in 62 plate appearances. So, again, that raw power is readily evident with Nelson Velasquez. Was he on your radar this weekend, Nelson Velasquez in KC? Uh, yeah, he definitely was. Um, unfortunately, I don't believe I got him anywhere. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think he just got opportunity in, yes. in Kansas City. And so, uh, you know, at this point, opportunity is more important everything. than overall talent. Yeah, it's um, literally everything right now. So I, I took the gamble. I didn't get him, and I don't believe I got him anywhere. Uh, but I think he's going to play every day. There's some pop in there, and uh, – you know, maybe he can have a hot six weeks, and you know he's he's gonna like I said, gonna get every opportunity by a bad Royals team. Um, as long as it doesn't take away from our boy Edward Oliveras, I'm happy. Well, Edward Oliveras is in the minors, so it has taken away. Oh from shoot, him. I totally missed. He yeah, he minors. got sent. I I think he might have gotten sent out when when uh, uh, probably Velasquez was called up. 
So I think it literally Whoa. did, in fact, hurt him. But Velasquez has that big boy power, so while Kaufman is a difficult place to play uh, for a hitter, I think he has enough power, Velasquez, to overcome that and, and power through it. So stick with him if you need some pop. Nelson Velasquez, more of a deep league guy, but I think there's some 12s where you could see riding the hot hand and just rolling with it um, until it dies out. We've been talking about a lot of young players this episode, almost exclusively here, the occasional veteran mixed in. Let's run to the other end of the age spectrum and talk about a 36-year-old Charlie Blackman, who has put himself back on the radar for folks and had been cut enough, like a ton, to where he was a very popular pickup this week. Remember, he was out for a month plus, so that's part of why he was available. Uh, but his first six games here in August... Two homers, two triples. Not that triples are a category, but he's blasting the ball. He's hot right now. Is this just a blip, or is Charlie Blackman healthy and ready to, to do some damage here? Because even in his bad seasons these last two years, he's been like a league average bat. So it's a deep league pickup. Um, did you have any interest in Charlie Blackman this weekend? What can he do down the stretch? I mean, here's the thing. The, the Rockies have a really easy schedule to optimize, even in weekly format. So... We talked a lot about in the preseason that the Rockies had this uh, perfect schedule for NFBC where you could get 80 of their home games uh, without get, taking any of their away games, right? That's right. Because, um, explain why in the NFBC. Uh, because of the Friday switch, just the way their schedule lined yeah. up, you could get them out on a Friday if they were going, and they just didn't have you know Thursday games where they were still on the road. That's perfect. Uh, uh, or, or, or at home, and... Uh, and on the road for the other part. So it was it was actually a perfectly optimized thing to, to like use these Colorado players. Um, and they've got an even better one where they're only at home, all at home or only all away the rest of the season. Oh, so even beautiful. in weekly leagues, you can optimize. The problem is it is home away, home away, home away, home so away the down, rest down, of the season. Down. So you pretty much only going to get to use him every other week. And how many leagues are you looking for kind of a power-only bat in a bad lineup every other week? So Yeah, and only against righties for Blackman, right? He can't yeah. get lefties for shit. So, so that's I, not a problem. I don't think that he's going to be viable in a lot of formats um, as he clearly rings your bell in order to come beat us up for this talk. Uh, <laughs> this topic, but uh, yeah, I oh, mean, you heard that? I, I thought yeah. I muted. I thought I muted. No. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm, I'm going to bring up the next topic, and I'm going to run to let the dogs out. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm with you. I like. I get why people are going after Blackman, but I think it's a deeply going play. Five outs yeah. for their 15 teamer. Um, don't get too hung up on this. You can maybe run him for like a band aid week, like next week, because it is like you said, all home. But yeah. that one is against Atlanta and Toronto. So it's actually going to be a lot of tough pitchers, even when they are at home. So be careful with that one. Uh, this is one, you know, I, I didn't need catcher. So I wasn't in on Ohapi, but I also wasn't in on this guy. If I needed a second catcher, I would have been in on Gabriel Moreno because they got rid of Carson Kelly, uh, who my Tigers picked up. And now it's free and clear for Gabriel Moreno to finally just kind of play every day and see what's up. Is there enough heat here for Gabriel Moreno to be a play? And if, is it two catcher only, or is there any one catcher viability now that Carson Kelly's gone, so he's the primary guy. I mean, I don't know that this changes a lot in terms of... <laughs> uh, Paul didn't uh, properly mute, so I apologize. I'll see if I can get that out of post. But um, I don't know that there's a ton that necessarily changes for Moreno because... Um, 
Next next time, make sure you actually mute before you run away, so we don't have to oh, hear you running. Away. <laughs> oh, I didn't mute. My bad. My bad. My bad. My bad. My bad. <laughs> now I got to leave it in for everybody. Um, of course, of course. Hear me shuffling down the hall there. So I don't know that there's a ton that necessarily changes for Moreno. I mean, okay. Prior to, I mean, he's pretty much going to get the same amount of playing time he had prior to the injury because they were pretty much playing him over Carson Kelly anyways. And Carson Kelly was injured for most of the season as well. So I think he is viable as a C2, especially if you're looking for a catcher that isn't going to actively hurt your batting average. Yes, Uh, that's such a rarity these days. Yeah, and like, I mean, there's so many teams that end up having to roster these guys that are going to hit like 220. Oh, you might get some pop, but you may not need like a ton of pop or a ton of speed from your catcher position. You just may need someone who isn't going to actively destroy your batting average. And I think that is what uh, a guy like Moreno can offer. I don't think there's a ton of power there. I don't think there's a ton of speed. There's a little bit of both, but there is a fair amount of batting average and that is viable as a C2. Yep. I, I, I totally co-signed that there. He's hitting 276, five homers, four steals for Moreno in 80 games. So you can kind of do the easy double up extrapolation, a 10-8 type of player. That's a solid little catcher. And I do think he fits specific needs if you're chasing batting average, which by the way, don't give up on your ratio stats. You can still make big moves. Uh, Moreno could be your guy there to help with, with the batting average. Let's move over to the pitchers uh, because like you mentioned earlier, there were some interesting pitchers to pick up. One of the guys that I really liked, even though we don't even know if he's going to be called up, it was Pierce Speck, but there's been chatter that Ryan Pepio could be the replacement for Tony Gonsolin's injury. And so I went for it. I, I wanted to get Pepio because one of the things, and I, I, I think last episode I did mention, you know, quote unquote, my friend Greg, but uh, my friend Greg was big on Pepio coming into the year uh, because in spring he saw that the command was looking better, the command and control. And then I was like, okay, I don't know, man, but he walks everybody. I don't know if I'm going to buy it off of spring. Well, then he goes to AAA this year uh, in the PCL, no less, by the way, and only walks, uh, you know, d- doesn't walk a huge percentage of his guys here. Let's see. That's going to be five walks in – now, he only has 22 and two-thirds, but it's a 5% walk rate, uh, five walks in 93 batters face in AAA for Pepio. Uh, so that's another – you know, kind of tick mark in the control looking better. It's a very small sample, but we were, we couldn't even see small samples of quality with uh, Pepio's control. So I think there's something to buy in here where the control has definitely improved. You always believe in the Dodgers, just generally. The swing and miss has always been there. So I took a gamble on Pep. We don't know if he's going to be the guy or not for Gonsolin, but what did you think of Ryan Pepio? Was he on your radar at all? I mean, he got optioned yesterday, so do you think well, he was... He, he was up to be the 27th man, and I knew he was going to be optioned back for the double, from the double header. but you don't think he could come back up to take Gonsolin's spot uh, permanently? I mean, I, you don't think it'll be Emmett Sheehan? I think that feels better. I mean, he might be, but I don't know. I, I, I think there is a fair amount of risk to the gamble. Um, and even if, let's say he does – take I mean, she, she, the spot the way, it's at boston do you really want to mess with that i mean i'm I mean, not the, starting him this week i i got him I, and it's atlanta next week by the way that's worth pointing out right yeah sure. and atlanta next week so like i i mean at this point like again like opportunity like we were just talking about with hitters and schedule with pitchers like sure. moving forward like i just don't know that there's going to be enough usable spots the boston one doesn't scare me that if they confirmed him, like I have enough starters that I don't have to start Pepio, 
Like, I respect Boston as an offense, but they're not an automatic stay away for me. Not like in Atlanta. There's no world where I'm starting him against Atlanta. I will be clear on that. But right now, he's depth for me. Uh, Ryan Pepio is. And again, we don't even know if he's I, back in the majors. But he was great in the spot start. I think that's worth pointing out, too. Five innings, three hits, one run, one walk, five Ks. And if he does get Atlanta next week, obviously you're not using there. But he, the following he would potentially line up for a two-start at Miami, at Washington. Beautiful. That's something I would definitely be interested in. So maybe it is like, a, you know, you pick him up. You're not going to use him. And you're just kind of holding on to see if he's going to hold that rotation spot. I think the problem it, it is... It was a stash. It was a stash, yeah. game, by the way. But I was very interested. It's just so hard to stash guys right now that I don't know that most people are going to be able to do it. Sure. I mean, I, I want reserve pitchers that I think could do something. If, if Pepio pitches with the talent that we've, we've seen in the minors this year and in his five innings, which, by the way, it wasn't a start. Cale Ferguson opened and then they went to Pepio. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, I would love if they used them like that so I can sneak some easier wins. But that's another thing, too. If your win's chasing, then you kind of want the guy on the great team, like the Dodgers, as opposed to maybe the better talented guy, like, you know, on the Tigers. Like, I, I know Tariq Skubal's already picked up, but, like, let's say that, – that's actually a bad example, too. But, like, Reese Olsen, if you, you know, he's in the rotation. Do you believe in him? Give me, give me a Ryan Pepio spec over Reese Olsen being guaranteed in the rotation sure. right now. It's kind of where I'm at. So I really did like him. It is a gamble. I agree with that. But the price I paid it uh, accounts for that, I should say. Okay. So we'll see how it goes. You're right to bring up Emma Sheehan. There is no guarantee that it is even Pepio. But I was kind of going off the fact that he pitched really well in his little spot here and has done very well in the minors. So we'll see if Pepio gets to be the guy. But this is the guy I really wanted. This I'm. I wanted Pepio and Alan Winans because, again, I'm wins chasing like you wouldn't believe. And if I can bitch about my team real quick here, I just want to point out I'm second in Ks, third in, fourth in ERA, first in whip, last in wins, Justin. And it is so maddening, dude. It is so maddening. So I really wanted Alan Winans. Or is it Winans? Because uh, he has a good chance to win some games. It is Winans. But Alan Winans is a 28-year-old, like, you know, not really a prospect when you're at that age. But an interesting guy here who's pitched well in the majors and gets the Mets and then a trip to San Francisco, you could definitely get two wins, ten innings, and decent numbers there. I did want him. I came up short with him. I did get Pepio. What did you think of Alan Winans for Atlanta? Uh, he was one of my big targets this week, and I got him in a bunch of spots. I'm jealous. Uh, what you, what'd you pay, if I might ask? Not a ton. Um... Let's see. Uh, let me... I lost 13 to 11, so it was even t- to John Posma, one of the greatest. I got him for $7 in my main to $4. Uh, I got him for $22 in my auction, $2 with a backup, so that was a, a little bit of a bummer. But um, you, had, it... you, had, you wanted to secure him, so I don't even blame you. Yeah, and then in my um, uh, in a couple of my OCs, I got him for like 8 9 bucks. Like You know, like I just... Uh, but those are big bids, in comparatively speaking, to exactly. like you know, like the rest of the field. Because like I've got thirty-five bucks left in my main event, and I yeah. think I've got the fourth most amount of money. Like it's like there's just nobody it's has funny. money right now. Yeah. So what? Well, uh, his high in the main event was nineteen dollars. Yeah. So, so I, that, that tells that you where the where the money is right now. Uh, but he was somebody that people wanted. 
And if you are wins chasing, you can't get much better than getting an Atlanta guy, and he has pitched pretty well. So if and he's going up against the Mets with the potential of a two start this week. So. Exactly. So I think you got to go for him. And, and daily leagues where you can still pick him up. Obviously, you will hear this after this first start. But if he does well tonight, get him for that San Francisco start. I think Alan mm-hmm. Winans could be a nice little piece down the stretch here. Especially again, I'm going to reiterate: if you're chasing wins, because he's on in Atlanta. Uh, Javier Assad for the Cubs has an appealing two-step based solely on his matchups. It's the Tigers and the Pirates. That's awesome. And it's in both venues, both of which are nice to pitch in. Problem is, Justin, he has like a 1% strikeout minus walk rate. I'm barely kidding, by the way. It's like 6%. So you have the, the matchups versus skills situation. And you talk about one of the biggest factors of streaming pitchers down the stretch here is matchup. Were the matchups enough to get Javier Assad on your board? And how do you feel about him this week? Yeah, he was one of my backup bids on line-ins, um, and I did pick him up in a few leagues. Like I said, you're not going to get a ton of strikeouts from him, but the matchups are really, really good. And if you're win-seeking right now, like I don't know if there's that many better kind of two starts this week in terms of like what's available off your wire. So yep. uh, I picked him up in uh, a couple leagues, uh, and like now I've got like I think in like my main or my uh, yeah I got him in my main. Um, dropping uh, Yanni Chirinos, uh, who just bane of my existence. Hate that oh guy God. now. Uh, like, just crushed me on a two-step. Not um, But now I've got, like, okay, I've got Jesse Schultons, and I, who's, who's going to start against Oakland. I've got Alex Fado, who's got a two-step this week. And I've got to make a decision on, like, hey, who do I who do I put in there and who don't I? Uh, I definitely think I'm probably going to be rolling with Assad, though, because just the matchups are too you good, and I, I need those wins. He actually didn't get picked up in my main. Um, he was on my list, but I got I got Pepio and Zach Thompson, who we're going to bring up next, ahead of him. And I, I thought I'm really surprised he didn't go. Just the matchup, someone I get that it's a it's an extra, actually seen percent strikeout minus walk. I said six percent, but man, those matchups are great, and the Cubs are playing well. So I'm really really surprised he didn't go. The interesting thing is though, is if he does well in this two step. He gets at Cincinnati next week, so I don't think that's going to encourage anybody to turn around and pick him up. Yeah. So, no. all right. Uh, Zach Thompson for the cards, doing anything for you? No. Well, obviously, I disagree because I did pick him up. You know, it's a trip to Philly and then San Diego the following week. It's not great, but he has bench depth, and that's really the main reason I picked him up. He was $4, nothing too crazy. What about Hunjin Ryu? Uh, I, just want, I just want to say oh. Thompson has not gone five innings. Any time in the minors this year. His last outing, he went an inning and two-thirds, only faced five batters. Give him an opener. Give yeah, him an opener, if, if you get an opener, then maybe. But, like, yeah, yeah no. no, no. That's fair. No. He, he's just depth for me. I, I just The to only Thompson I care about guys. in St. Louis is Matt Thompson. Fair. Same, yeah. by the way. Same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Hunjin Ryu, the crusty veteran. We're going to end on a crusty veteran after talking to all these young players. Uh, the 37, 36-year-old lefty has been – Excellent since returning, Justin. 19 innings with a 189 ERA, 105 whip. His standard skills where the strikeouts aren't great, but the walk rate is. I mean, he gets the job done when he's healthy, usually. Were you in on Hunjin Ryu anywhere? Where, and was he even available to you? Uh, I don't think he was available to me. I don't think I would have necessarily been in on him anyways. Uh, I don't know. Like, I just Why don't not? trust guys coming off of Tommy John. and uh, just... Yeah. I mean, he's uh, you know. this week, so I like. Yeah, that, that that's trip, good. He's got a pretty low Babbitt. He's got a pretty low Babbitt, but he also has a pretty low strand rate. So, like, maybe 
he can like be like a mid to high threes ERA pitcher rest of the way. Um, and he's That's on a good team that should win games. So like, I don't think he's a bad uh, guy, but I was, I was mostly streaming to start guys for the most part um, totally and not worried about Rio. Yeah, no, that, that that's totally fair. But I, and it was picked up more last week, but there was still a handful of leagues where he was still available, and um, you know, so I wanted I wanted to bring him up. Actually, I think it was a couple weeks ago where there was more Ryu pickups. But the last few stragglers of leagues that hadn't picked up Ryu got him, and I think he is at least viable in twelves and maybe even tens with the spot start against Cleveland. But then he he's scheduled for at Colorado next week, so you don't want that. Uh, but that's going to do it. Uh, we're going to wrap up there. you got to go get to your chat right now, and hopefully mm-hmm. people will enjoy asking you some questions there. You do that every Monday at noon Eastern, or noon Central, right? Uh, one yes. Eastern. Yeah, one Eastern. Eastern. So uh, definitely come through and chat with me over on Fangraphs. Uh, yeah. Uh, take it easy. Peace.